Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Grabbing Life by the Horns. I'm Mr. Marine. I'm Mr. Avila. We have an excellent guest with us this week, uh, alumnus, class of 2002, and a great baseball player, and now um, really integrated into Livermore, Mr. Brandon Cardwell. How are you doing? I'm doing well, but you started out with a lie. That's really disappointing. I was a very mediocre baseball player, (laughs) but I did graduate in class of 2002, so you got that part right. Well, I remember (laughs) as a freshman in 0102 um, watching that team, and you guys all look like monsters compared to me. Um, and and that team had a lot of big freakish athletes on on uh, the yeah, squad. So so my my memory of you uh, as a kid was oh my god, <laughs> excellent. And then I showed up here, and I was all five nine, and you're like, what happened to that guy? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, so well, I, I felt that way standing next to Paul Keck when he transferred over uh, from uh, Amateur or wherever he came from, and I was a catcher, and I was like, I don't think I'm a catcher anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Move over to anywhere else, literally. I remember Mike Granados <laughs> hit a ball to the moon yeah. uh, during batting practice, and that. I was like shaking in my boots. I was like, oh my God. Um, oh, those so, are good times. Yeah, yeah so welcome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the pod. Uh, to the listeners, the HGs, welcome to another week. We uh, are getting ever so close to that 1,000 total plays, so we're getting excited about it. We're going to make it there, and I think that Garcia episode is still going to push us over the top, too. But even this one, we're going to hey, make it. We're going to make it. I, I think a lot of people over spring break are going to start catching up on episodes that they missed, uh, and we'll hit that 1,000 play, and we'll have a celebration I'm talking streamers. I don't know. We'll do something weird, <laughs> weird with noise, uh, so people can hear it. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, you're within like ten, I can probably help you out, right? I'll yeah. just send some text messages. I'll get you guys there. That, if it's more it. than ten, I cannot help you. Oh, we'll take all that we can get there at this go. point. Yeah, we will take everything. Um, <laughs> so, so thanks again, listeners. Remember to uh, follow us on Instagram, GLBH Podcast. Um, so you know exactly when we release the new episode with Brandon here and. Um, Mr. Villa, how you doing this week? Well, week's been great. Uh, we are in the middle of our state testing, so it's just kind of a modified schedule, mm-hmm. a little bit later of a start. Um, I know it's kind of a kind of a downer week for a lot of students, but for maybe just the ones that are testing. For the other ones, they get to sleep real in a nice. Bit. Yeah, so and I they're think- still complaining about the class. It's like you got here at ten and you leave at three. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You're Just okay. relax. Yeah. So, yeah. but from the teachers' end, it's a pretty simple week, pretty easy week. So, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying this week. And, and again, the weather's still kind of changing. So, yeah, yeah positive week. How, how about you there, Mr. Uh, everything's been great except for the fact that they tested in my room all week. And then the one day I was supposed to test, it wasn't in my room. I had to go somewhere else. Yeah, and I think figures. that that's ridiculous, but whatever. Um, I'll roll with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was today. Yeah. So at least I only had to test for one day instead of two, like most teachers. So I'm, I'm happy about it. Uh, we're going to get into our first segment. What has impressed you lately and what has unimpressed you or underwhelmed you? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mr. Villa, what do you got for me? Yeah, I'm gonna What's say, impressed you? Uh, I'm going to say uh, some uh, new establishments, actually, in the city of Livermore. Um, I had a chance to go check out our new cheese factory, um, which is over by the movie theater. Uh, oh, the cheese parlor. A cheese parlor. I'm sorry. Yeah. I called it cheese factory. Cheese parlor. <laughs> That'd be uh, cool. Yeah. Went in there, <laughs> met the owner, talked with him for a little bit. Seems like a cool place. I, I, I want to go back and sit down and actually try some cheese. I didn't have a chance to try cheese when I was there. Um, and then... Uh, just checked out Huckleberries too. Oh, yeah, Huckleberries uh, lunch and dinner or lunch, breakfast and lunch. Excuse me. Um, seems like a cool place. Seems like they got a good vibe. It's a revolving door of, re- of restaurants that goes through that building, which is a shame. But 
Yeah. I thought Huckleberries did a nice job. I'm going to go back and check them out again. So. I, st- I still miss Baker Square. Oh, rest in peace for sure. <laughs> I still miss yeah. Baker Square, but and if let's go Huckleberries. Yeah. <laughs> or if you remember Lions. Do you remember Lions? Oh, I do remember oh, Lions. That's the classic. That's the OG for the yeah. HGs out there. The yeah. Lions, yeah. That was a good place. Yeah. yeah How about time. you, uh, Mr. Marine? Anything impress you this week? You know, I'm heading off to uh, Hawaii tomorrow, so I'm going to stick with that theme. What's impressed me is just the whole Disney itinerary. They really know how to put together a trip. Um, the the flights, the shuttle, the everything to get there, um, the app, the Disney Alani app is ridiculous. I've been looking at that going, I don't even know where to start. There's a full map of everything. Um, so I've been really impressed with the, the Disney Alani experience. I haven't even gotten there yet. And I'm not a Disney fan. I, I'm not really into it. I don't like Disneyland. Not my thing. Um, but I, I compromise with my wife because we have a six-year-old daughter. And, and she's like, I want to take her to Disneyland. I want to take her to Disneyland. And I'm like, can we just settle on Disney Hawaii? That would be great. So uh, I'm actually getting a little excited about it. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but I'm getting, I'm a little impressed. So right. I think I, I think I'm impressed with the fact that I get to sit by the beach and watch my daughter, you know, play and have fun and swim, and I can just re- relax and lounge. So yeah, well, enjoy. I, I, I'm happy for you. A little jealous, but I'm happy for you. <laughs> uh, Cardwell, how are we uh, doing? Impressed. What has impressed you lately? Well, it's fun to be back on campus. See yeah. how it's changed. Yeah, I was, I was telling JD that, uh, or should I need to call you Mr. Avila? Either or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can yeah. call him JD. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, I was out here for a flag football game for my nephew, but only on the field. So it's fun to get back here and see how it's changed and see mm-hmm. some of the ways it hasn't changed, which is really fun. So that's, uh, I'd say I'm, I'm impressed by the developments on campus. Unimpressed? Yeah, you just jump right yeah, into what's know. underwhelmed you. Yeah, what's mm-hmm. underwhelming right now? Well, it's going to be 91 degrees on Tuesday. I saw that. I Are saw you it. serious? Yeah. We're going to have a quick shift of some, yeah. of some temperature. Yeah. Yes. I'm very unimpressed by 91 degrees in early <laughs> April. That's very <laughs> underwhelming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll have to say I, I'm a shorts and, uh, and sandals kind of a guy, so I am looking forward to the weather. So we'll see, but I don't like the big change. Like, yeah, don't give me like 60 one day and then 92 the next day. Yeah, you know? there's, yeah. there's no like business casual flip-flops, so <laughs> I'm not super excited about that. Yeah, and you got to wear pants, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pants, shirts, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, whole yeah that sucks. Yeah. Um, for myself, um, the clutter in my garage has just really underwhelmed me lately. Uh, we've been going, like, we went through, like, a renovation, uh, did a remodel, and we just have a ton of stuff. And it's just life, you know, you have, you got a wife, you got kids, you just accumulate things. And so anytime I walk through that, I'm always just this little, just, man, there's just clutter in here. Yeah. And I don't like it. So, but uh, spring break's coming up here. Uh, I got Spring try- cleaning. Spring cleaning. I'm going to unclutter that bad boy. That's yeah. going to be my goal, yeah. You got the truck. You're just going to throw a bunch of stuff in the back, take it to the dump? Let's get it or into my neighbor's backyard, either one of those, so <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> there you go. Um, what is underwhelming me? Um, I guess this isn't part of the theme, but um, I've been prepping uh, to leave, and I've been landscaping a lot, trying to get the yard in good shape so I can leave and, and be good. Um, and we just redid the front yard, and we have this beautiful front area with like this kind of pony wall fence and and um, these black lava rocks that go around um, all the plants. And I'm getting really pissed off with the people who are walking on my rocks and the dogs that walk on the rocks. 
and it's starting to really like make like footprints and indentations. And I live right behind Granada campus, right behind the football field. And I feel like there are students who are just walking on my yard. And I feel like that old man who's like, get off my yard. And I'm getting a little upset. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're stepping on my yard <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, the, the nice front yard with the lava rocks, back off, man. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. And there's there's this one neighbor who has a, a cool little poodle dog, and he's super nice and super awesome. And I saw him walk by with his dog yesterday, and the dog just walked right into the rocks. So, no respect. No respect uh, for the rocks. I'm about to be that guy who calls somebody out. Please be. Please be that guy. <laughs> so unimpressed, unimpressed. <laughs> um, we are now going to get into learning more about Mr. Cardwell here. So, uh, J.D., why don't you... Take us away with uh, talking about his journey. Yeah. So uh, we always like to open up with just uh, how did you end up coming to Livermore? And so you can talk about your family, maybe how they settled here and uh, uh, you even kind of come into Granada. So uh, feel free to take it away. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've, I've lived in Livermore since I was about six months old. So I didn't have a lot to do with the decision. Um, <laughs> but my folks moved out here. They really liked the rural character of the place my dad grew up in Kelseyville, Clear Lake, uh, and other places, you know, near the water and lots of open spaces. And he liked it out here. And so, um, we, I grew up here. I went to Rancho Las Positas, Go Raccoons. Uh, I was so, about to say Go Raccoons. Yeah, all right, I'll sing the song for you. I can still do it. Rancho Las Positas let's hear is it. a place we all know, man. Come on. Let's it's hear where it. we go to school and we love it so. Um, is that the song I want to hear? I don't know it. Yeah, it's that. We rock and we roll and we're really alive, I think. Uh, I'm learning Rancho with Las Positas, we really jive. I'm still yeah, learning with my song. Oh, I like yeah, the word jive. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, jive's nice. <laughs> Uh, then I went to Junction, and then I went to Granada, okay. and then Las Positas College for two years, and went off to Sac State. So I've basically lived in Livermore for 36 of my 38 years. Yeah. Um, uh, my wife and I actually met in high school. We've been together since high school. Um, and so she went to Davis. I went to Sac State. So we went up there and flip-flopped living there for a couple of years. And Sac State, the Hornets? Yeah. Yeah, the Hornets. I'm good with mascots. <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. Sac State's a little bit of an obscure... Uh, mascot reference there yeah um but we had a lot of fun with that then came back and i started working i was just telling jd before i started recording i started working for the city 11 days after i graduated from college oh wow uh, as a temporary department assistant so i started sort of you know intern level um reconciling purchasing card statements and alphabetizing files and doing all the things you do when you have absolutely no marketable skills like i did. I <laughs> came out of school with a degree in government not even political science it was government oh um but what's the difference between poli and government it's a really good question i have no idea <laughs> um, i think it's what if your school is in the state capital they call it government because okay. it makes you seem more employable uh, than oh. if they call it political science is my guess um but i studied mostly political theory so i'm like rolling into my city living more job and seeing if anybody wants to talk about aristotle or you know <laughs> on an R end or something yeah. and nobody did. Uh, but, uh, I, I worked really briefly, uh, on a political campaign. Um, that's what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, okay. You know, I grew up during the heyday of, of the TV show West wing and I was like, yeah, yeah. I want to do that. that looks really meaningful. And then I did it for like three months and realized how much politics is not my favorite thing. Uh, actually <laughs> working on in the meat grinder of, of that. And but I liked policy. And so I decided to stay with the city and, um, I think I've had nine different jobs in four departments with the city in the last 16 years. And um, I do something kind of unusual for the city now. Uh, I run an innovation hub program, which we can talk about a little bit if you guys want to. But Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. What is the innovation hub? Yeah. Um, so I run a nonprofit organization called iGate, uh, which originally was a really terrible acronym that I'm not even going to mention. Uh, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> it it uh, basically the the point of it is founded by the city of Livermore and the two national labs here to focus on economic development through innovation and and startups and entrepreneurship. Um, so we have two national labs here in town. Most people know that. Um, they generate a lot of technology. Some of that technology has commercial applications. And so we were really focused on spinning that technology out of the lab and into startup companies that would grow and uh, create jobs and all kinds of great economic impact. So that was the the original idea behind that nonprofit. And we started it in 2010, opened our first um, startup incubator, which is basically a shared space for small companies to work together. Um, and that was called iGate? Yeah, that was that was called iGate. So um, the incubator now is called Daybreak Labs. Uh, okay. it's, it's a different, it's the same concept, but it's different name, different branding. Um, we actually just signed a lease on a new facility for our incubator. Um, we went through some real pain points through COVID like everybody else did. Because mm. uh, we basically were operating a business that was renting shared space to small companies. Um, and that was really painful during COVID, but we got through it. And we've got a new lease signed out in the northeast part of town, just north of the labs, 7,000 square foot space. And uh, we focus mostly on what are called life sciences and deep tech companies. Okay. So anything having to do with, you know, the life sciences side is basically biology based companies. Um, and deep tech is like everything else that isn't software, basically. So energy, materials, um, you know, you name it, that's not biology and not software. Well, my assumption is that because you guys have this, there's like a, like a need for it, there's a want for it. Like, yeah. is, 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 is that a big thing here in the, in the city of Livermore? I'm unaware of that. So. Yeah, um, it's growing in the city of Livermore. It's really big in the Tri-Valley mm-hmm. more generally. Um, one of our, our biggest alumni companies from the incubator is a company called AI. It's a A-E-Y-E. They're over in Dublin. Um, they went public uh, through a mechanism called a SPAC. You know, some of your listeners may know about it, but it's a different way of, of going public and raising money. Uh, last year, I think their market cap somewhere around $400 million now. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of money. Yeah, they got a lot of, a lot of employees over in Dublin. Um, so that's the kind of company that we tend to work with. They started with us when it was just two guys. Uh, they came here from, they were from here originally, one of them was, and, and he'd been working in Orlando and then moved back here to start this company. And they do computer vision for autonomous everything is what they call it. And they're focused on the vehicle market right now. Okay. But that, the Tri-Valley area in Livermore is included in this, is, has this really interesting blend of deeply technical people in part because of the labs, but also because of these big institutional companies like Thermo Fisher Scientific and Roche and Form Factor and Topcon and all these other companies. Um, and then there's also this concentration of executive management experience. So all the people who have been, you know, they live in Ruby Hill or Danville or Vineyard Estates out here or whatever, and they've been working, like bringing companies from really early stages all the way up through IPO or being bought by another bigger company. And they do it over and over again. It's like a serial managerial talent running startups. So our purpose in life organizationally is to bring that tech talent together with that experienced managerial talent, um, help them form new companies or companies that are already going, they, it's really expensive to start a life science company. Yeah. If you try to like acquire all the equipment that you need, yeah. rent a space, like there's, I could do an hour on the challenges those kinds of companies face. So we provide a bunch of shared resources for those companies and they can come in and, and just use what they need. Um, cause they don't actually need like the entire $15,000 piece of equipment. They just yeah. need it for a couple hours a week. So that kind of thing. Okay. So I actually uh, spent a summer working at the incubator with uh, my good buddy, Drew Felker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, 
And he was in the basement. Yeah. I don't know if you put him in the basement because he <laughs> is just an ogre who causes a lot of destruction. Yeah, but. we don't like to let Drew around people. <laughs> Fun fact, I introduced Drew to his wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. to Allie? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. Oh, yeah. So you're the person. I am. I organized a TEDx uh, event locally where Allie was a speaker, and I, I walked in the next day to the incubator, and I said, Drew, I really think you should marry this girl. And I put up, pulled up her TED Talk, and he's like, okay, and like, ha-ha, and then he did. That's so, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Drew's a great guy. Uh, yeah. Does he still have space in the basement there, or have you guys said He's, you moved? Yeah, so we we sort of have been in a holding pattern on that basement location okay. in downtown Livermore. I've got a half a dozen companies working down there right now. Um, COVID screwed everything up like it did right. for everybody. So we've been, for the last 15 months, really working on finding this new location. Um, that basement was never supposed to be what it ended up being from a tech development standpoint. It got was it. like just responding to this big market need from these small companies. Um, so we've been really focused on getting into this new space. It should be ready sometime around June and it'll be, it's 7,000 square feet, 2,500 of it is like lab space, like awesome. purpose uh-huh. built for labs. Uh-huh. So it'll be, it'll be a much nicer, it won't be the, the cave that Drew and company have been hanging out yeah. in downtown. <laughs> I, I remember working for him just, you know, like two or three hours a day for okay. a summer. Yeah. Uh, he needed, he needed some extra help and it was just amazing to see like all the different people <laughs> and companies who were there all wild. doing yeah. very different things. Yeah. Uh, one person was like doing art and yeah, one person, that was Trent Thompson. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the basement seemed like the place to be mm-hmm. like the upstairs looked a little more polished, like cubicles and yeah. stuff. Um, and the basement seemed like there were some interesting things going on. Um, but I was also there. I don't know if you remember, we had like a, a crazy jolt earthquake. Um, and I was there at, at the, the incubator or the think tank, whatever you guys call it. Um, and the whole building like shook, it was yeah. crazy. And, and I was like, is that an earthquake? And well, I'm sure glad, enough, I'm it glad was the building did not, did not fall. On yeah. It was just a else. big jolt, like a big boom. And yeah. it like kind of shook for two or three yeah. seconds and then that was it. So, um, yeah, so good times in yeah. the incubator. Yeah. yeah. So so we we go away to school, we come back, we start working for the city as an intern, yeah. and then you do a little bit of like some political campaigns, but then did you initially get into the iGate stuff? Was that like immediately after? No, that? it was it was um it was an interesting transition. So, mm-hmm. um I was working in the public works department mm-hmm. in what now is called our environmental services division or group. Um back then, I don't I think it was just the public works department and I was doing like recycling program management and environmental program management. It's like, do you guys remember the EEC program, environmental education for kids eek. growing up? Yeah. Eek. I don't remember EEC. No, so it was, it was around like when I was a kid in elementary school and I ended up managing that program with the guy oh, who I like, remember. Yeah. So it was, um, it was interesting. And I, so I was doing a lot of this kind of sustainability oriented stuff. Um, that was really for the first five years. Um, I was there. I got married in, in that time period as well. And, um, had my first kid pretty fast. We, my wife and I had kids pretty young. I was uh, I turned 25 the week before he was born. That is young, my yeah. First, yeah, my wife was still 23. She was wow. almost 24 when he was born. Um, so my kids now are 13 and, and 11. They're at East and Seiko. Got um, it. And so kind of doing the family thing. And, um, you know, my work was – it was – it was a good job that I had, but I wasn't super passionate about it. Like okay. I, I was the city's first recycling and diversion coordinator, which is a sort of dubious distinction. <laughs> Everybody thought I was a garbage man, like all the people I grew yeah. up with. They're like, oh, yeah, like you're like a garbage man, right? I'm like, no, I actually manage the programs that are identified in our franchise agreement with the waste hauler. Yeah, I recycle, man. Yeah, recycle like <laughs> garbage man. No. Um, so I, I was doing that for a little while, really wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked working at the city. Uh, I was, there were a lot of great people, still are a lot of great people there. 
And so I started putting my hand up for like every volunteer assignment that was not my day job. Um, and so I got into this leadership academy where I was paired with a mentor who was the economic development director at the time. This was in 2010, I guess. Um, and so I was doing that. And then we had this Amgen tour of California. The bike race was coming through town for the first time. We were going to do this oh. like stage start mm -hmm. um, in 2011. And so I got tapped by my mentor at the time who's economic development director he's like we need some extra help like can you come over and basically co-chair this big bike race like it's a big event takes a lot of coordination i was like i don't know anything about that but sure that's i know i want to do something different mm -hmm. right um so i came over to economic development on special assignment in january of 2011 did the bike race it was like in april i think or something so i did that for a few months and then um really was loving economic development as a field i didn't even know it was a thing um so I was having a lot of fun with that. And then the iGate initiative was just getting off the ground at that time. So it was co-founded by my boss at that time and a guy from Sandia named Bruce Balfour who put this whole sort of grant application thing together. Got and, it. Um, so I was like, I want to do that. That looks really cool. That's like super exciting. All these young companies. Like I didn't, I don't think I met a founder or CEO of anything until I was like 25, 26 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so I grew up, my dad was a carpenter and my mom did administrative work here in town. Like I was first in my family to go to college. I, I was not like my community was not like tech CEOs when mm -hmm. I was sure. growing up. So it's super steep learning curve, but I really like steep learning curves. And so I was like, I want to do that. Um, so I started working on it and we, it really failed. Uh, pretty pretty badly <laughs> in like the first year. We That's a good sign though, right? Because yeah. then you, you got to work harder. Well, it was like, it was like near death experience, um, which is very motivating. Mm -hmm. uh, so the incubator we opened in June of 2011 and it sat more or less empty for like a year. Oh, really? And it was very huh. difficult to like go to the incubator every day and see this empty 10,000 square foot warehouse. It's yeah. like, like if you could think of the most visually stunning symbol of your failure to walk into every day. It's like <laughs> An this empty like building. Quiet, empty <laughs> building. And you're like, oh, yeah, we're still not doing a good job. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I was probably young enough and inexperienced enough to just have no priors about like what, what we, what was okay to do, not okay to do. Like it was like, okay, we got, we just got to go. Mm -hmm. So, um, I ended up recruiting in kind of an executive advisor, uh, who became the CEO, who was a friend of a friend. Um, he's still one of my closest friends and he came in and kind of helped us turn the thing around and figure out what our, our strategy was going to be. And we went from no companies to five companies and, um, then one of those companies is, was AI that, uh, that went public and mm -hmm. another one was sold. And so we were able to get some investment into those companies and sure. it sort of like saved the organization. So it's like, oh, we got some track record here. Right. It seems to be working. Pivoted a bunch of times and tried different models. And uh, I mean, that was so I, I ended up taking the interim executive director role in 2014 when that that CEO left. Um, I think I'm still the interim executive director. I think so. Okay. Uh, right. Tech has not changed. 2022. <laughs> I don't remember them ever actually taking that label off. So uh, There you go. Yeah. So I, I sort of do that role. Um, and then I'm in a new role at the city now. So I'm the director of innovation and economic development um, as of March or February 14th. So just about a month and a half now. Wow. So, so how are we innovating? We who? L Livermore. Oh. Is, is there something cool going on? And also, is there like a is there like a cool hidden gem in Livermore that we don't know about? Because you know the city more probably than most of us that's do. A good question. I think you, you got some behind the scenes like look at some cities. Yeah. That I think usually the average citizen maybe just doesn't know about this or know is about that. Is there like a hidden tunnel yeah. somewhere? <laughs> there is one in the innovation hub. And there's a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a really interesting question. Like generally speaking, how are we innovating? I mean, well, for one thing. 
cities don't normally do this. Like, okay. Um, this guy, Brad Feld, wrote a book. He's a, Brad Feld's a very famous investor out of Boulder, Colorado, and he wrote this book called Startup Communities, and he outlines in that book why cities can't lead in developing innovation ecosystems. And he's right, for the most part. Like, what he talks about is that normally what you have happen is this, like, cycle. It's very predictable, where there'll be an economic downturn, just like there was when we were standing sure. up Igate, and the cities will say, we have to do something, and they'll put some kind of program together, um, and they'll maybe put a little bit of funding behind it, and, but it, it takes a really long time to get traction with these kinds of things because mm-hmm. usually if you have exactly the community that you need to be able to create these kinds of companies, this innovation hub, then you don't really need to do anything, right? right so right. you're trying to bridge some kind of gap that you see in your innovation community or in your economy generally. Mm-hmm. And so the cities will, a, a, a typical city will stand something up and then the economic downturn will gradually improve as it does because that's how macroeconomics generally works. And the city will say, why are we doing that again? And then they'll stop doing it. And, Got it. and so that cycle tends to happen. The remarkable thing that we've been able to do in the city of Livermore, and we partner with other Tri-Valley cities, Pleasanton, Dublin, and the town of Danville are part of the iGate ecosystem too, is to sustain this thing for like 11 years is unbelievable. And so the fact that we've been able to maintain that commitment to building this innovation ecosystem through all the pivots and all the bumps and the bruises and all of that is a major like differentiator for us as a community that we take that level of like interventionist approach when it comes to, we literally grow local companies. Like instead of going out most traditional economic development is bringing somebody in, bringing somebody in. It's like, it's, so I I refer to it as like B2B economic development. It's like Mm -hmm. the city as a corporation goes to the head of some company and says, we'd like you to move from where you are to our place. Right. And here are all the ways that we can make your life better if you do that. Um, and that still has a place like Gillig moving in the bus manufacturer in Livermore was an example of that kind Now we didn't go seek them out. They came and sought us out, but then we try to smooth the path and get them here and they bring 900 jobs and all this sales tax and it's fantastic. But that's like, like white whale kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't, that's not a repeatable thing. It's very opportunistic. So we look at it like we don't want to go out and try to, you know, hunt the big buffalo or something all the time. We'd rather tend our own garden. Since I'm in this building, I figure I'll make a Candide reference, right? There you go, yeah. Um, <laughs> so shout out to Jerome Berg, by the way. But uh, we got to get him on the podcast. Oh, Mr. Berg. Get him. Mr. Yeah, Berg. Yeah. Mr. Berg. Oh, he changed my life. Yeah, I mean, I could not write until I, I had him. Uh, he was fantastic. I so had anyway, him for the same class. If you uh, if you get him on the pod, I just want to sit in that corner over there. Yeah, we'll, okay, we'll be sure to send you a message. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you can have a disguise or something. That's something. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so for us, it's like, okay, how do we build this sustainable, self perpetuating ecosystem where an individual innovator can come at it from like whatever their vantage point is and contribute and get value from it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of the idea. Um, this guy, Victor Wong, wrote a book called The Rainforest, which is um, pretty pivotal in my thinking about it. Where it's like contrasts like a plantation style of economic development, which is very like incentive based and like how do we just sort of pour money into a thing? And then you can get anything to grow pretty much anywhere if you shove enough fertilizer and water and sunlight and all that. But as soon as you take those things away, whatever you're growing dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Compare that to like a rainforest, which is has all this like symbiotic quality to it. It's self-perpetuating. Um, it doesn't need nurturing. It takes care of itself. Um, so for us, like our job is sort of to create the conditions where that 
rainforest model of innovation ecosystem can flourish and self-perpetuate. So we want to work ourselves out of a job at some point. We're like, we don't got need it. that incubator yeah. anymore. You got a private incubator doing it. You've got companies popping up all over the place. Right. We'll call it a day and go home. There's plenty of other cool things we can do. Yeah, so you, you're actively trying to lose your job. <laughs> I'm actively trying to <laughs> make iGate and the incubator portion redundant. Got that, it. That's the goal. Uh-huh. Um, economic development takes on a ton of different flavors. Um, one of the ones I'm most interested in right now is, is like cultural economic development and how quality of life and like lifestyle impacts talent acquisition. Okay. That's a major thing. Like, yeah. If Livermore hadn't done the downtown redevelopment that it did back in 04, like there's no way I would live here. Got it. Yeah. No way. Uh I might live nearby, but I wouldn't live here. I agree. Yeah. So I I look at like, um, I've talked about this before with some other folks, like there's like a flywheel effect that happens for communities um, to your point about like innovation and communities is civic investments like downtown Mm -hmm. or South Livermore and the wine industry. Like that was a choice that the community made. Um, the Isabel neighborhood, which is a project that I'm working on now, those civic investments create the sense of place that attracts people who have lots of options about where they want to live. So like high earners, people with lots of education and lots of choice want to go places where they're like, this place is cool. This place is safe. This place has good schools. This place has lots of enriching activities. I'm going to choose to live there. Those people make the companies that they work for, the companies they start super productive. And yeah. those productive companies throw off revenue to the city, which we then use to make additional civic investments uh-huh. and sort of goes round and round. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, you mentioned with the, you know, to have this kind of rainforest style kind of organization or group here. Uh, but you mentioned the uh, businesses or just companies that have been started. Is there one that maybe some of our listeners would be aware of that has kind of come from the city of Livermore? I'm just um, curious. About. Yeah. So the, the well, um, let's see. Ever heard of it, True Tech Energy? Yeah. Shout out to Drew Felker. Yeah, <laughs> there you well, go. That's, I mean, it is one. So there, there are a number of small businesses that have incubated with us. A company called Founder Traction that we now do all of our marketing and, and brand work um, with. It's a company called Techagogo that got started here. They have like an Uber for um, dental equipment technicians, oh, um, wow. which is kind of an interesting niche market. Yeah. Um, that's one that's in Livermore. Um, then around the Tri Valley, like Safe Traces, which is a uh, um, indoor air quality, which became really important during COVID, right? right? Like they can track airflow and stuff. So they were one of ours as a company. Um, they're not local, but they're called sun vapor and they do, um, they do solar powered steam for like ag process, Hmm, um, stuff. So they're down in the central Valley. Um, so we've, there've been a number of companies, a bunch of small businesses we've incubated. We're pivoting away from more of the small business model toward more of the pure, like life science, deep tech model, because, those companies tend to raise venture capital and grow really quickly. Got it. Um, so it's, uh, that, that's, that's the space where we're moving into more because we see that sort of step change in the local economy that comes from that. Wow, yeah. man, that's so interesting. Just even like, I mean, for me, just being a math teacher and just kind of teaching here and I kind of go through my daily basis, but just thinking of all the other things that are kind of going on just within our own city limits. And I think the city is very, very special for so many different reasons, yeah. but just to hear all this growth and all these innovations, all these other pieces just continues to add value. And another reason why I love this town. Yeah, so. it's great. There's a company called Monarch Tractor that moved here recently. I've heard of that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those guys, uh, it's, it's an incredible company. They went from like 35 people to 150 people in like 18 months. They Crazy. raised, I think, $82 million in venture capital last calendar year. Wow. Oh, okay. They're in a hundred thousand square feet now. 
So that that they're the a prototypical kind of company that we want to see here in mm-hmm. Livermore. They they service the agriculture market. So like they're here because they did a an R and D partnership with Wenty Vineyards, like at the very beginning of the company. So Carlo Mondavi from the Mondavi family is the chief farming officer of the company. He knows Carl Wenty real well. So they got together and got it. did this thing. And so but it introduces some challenges locally too, because um you want companies like that. They do tremendous things for your local economy and for economic opportunity. Um, they also have lots of employees who need to be housed someplace. Yeah. And, you know, that, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic of like wanting a lot of growth and then having to figure out how to, you want economic growth, but that usually comes with people growth. And then you yeah. have to figure out how to, how to handle that, how to mitigate the impacts and, and make sure that you're really thoughtfully planning for how your community develops over the years. Got it. Got it, man. I think we can, like you said, probably spend hours and hours kind of talking about that. I am just enthralled right now. I'm usually just, (laughs) if I'm quiet and I'm just listening, that means I'm just like, I want to hear more. Well, Cause we're hearing like, cause we walked around Livermore. We're like, this place is awesome. And now we're hearing some of the stuff behind the scenes that makes it awesome. Uh So, well, maybe if we kind of shift gears here, uh, we can kind of talk about uh, maybe some things that uh, you have experienced. um, And uh, maybe we can talk about like a challenge that you have faced. I know some of the things that we ask our listeners is uh, a challenge that they have faced something that maybe has shaped them as an individual. Hmm. Um, so it doesn't need to be the greatest challenge you've ever faced, but uh, something that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, so I, maybe this will be relevant, especially for some of your younger listeners. Um, <laughs> early in my career, I was, and I, I alluded to this, I was in this place where um, I had a job that was too good to quit, Ooh. but I was not happy in it. Mm-hmm. I was really, spot. really dissatisfied. I had a, a very young child and a good paying job better mm-hmm. than like any of my peers had, but I just didn't want to go to work every day. And, Interesting. And that was a thing that was like, and it was rough. Um, cause it's, you have, you know, you're in that situation where like you have absolutely nothing to complain about, but you're still unhappy. It's yeah, like, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You have a job where you make too much money that you don't feel like you can quit it. Like cry me a river. Yeah, right. Right. Um, and so that was, that was a really like tough part of my life that shaped a lot of my thinking about how to take personal risk, I think, is um, where I got to. And I didn't have the language for it at the time, but the way um, that I think about it now, and this is in part influenced by like my, my proximity to tech, is this um, one-way door, two-way door kind of situation. Got so, it. So, you know, I grew up. And I always, I was the kid who like wanted to do it just right. Mm-hmm. So I was very much a perfectionist. I was a high achiever academically, um, people pleaser. I was the easy kid, you know, in my house growing up, like that kind of thing. And so disruptive things or things that were like just for me were not something that I really leaned into a lot. So I wanted to like do the thing that was the next expected thing to do. Got it. And I think... One of the things I encourage younger people, because now I'm like old, I'm almost 40, right? I'm 38. And when I talk to like high school or college age people, because we bring interns in and stuff, it's like very few things in life are a one-way door. Almost everything you can decide to undo. Mm. And so you should be really willing to walk through two-way doors. Got it. Because there's very little downside. Mm-hmm. Like it, other than, you know, like black swan events like bankruptcy or death or something like there's you can come back from pretty much anything. Now, you got to be responsible. I've, you know, I had a kid at home. I couldn't just right. like, decide I wanted to be a painter or something and like lose my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the and the way that like I dealt with that challenge for me was to do to take the step that was available to me. 
And right. it was like, all right, I'm going to volunteer for all these different work assignments. I'm just going to try to see if the world can be a little bigger than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people get really overly um, concerned about having the full roadmap mm-hmm. before they take the first step. But I think most people in life get to the places where they are. Like I'm certainly this way by taking one step and then taking the next step and then the next one after that. And you just sort of keep making these like, am I going right or am I going left here? Mm -hmm, And then hopefully you end up kind of directionally aligned to something that makes you happy. Um, But that was a big thing for me was like, how do I go from where I am to something better? Mm -hmm. Dealing with the constraints that I have and recognizing that, you know, I I can't do whatever I want, but I certainly can do more than nothing. Right. And if I realize that it's a two-way door and I'm probably not going to get, you know, fired for trying something different and my wife's not going to leave me and like I've got people around me who care about me and so I'm probably okay. Like I live in a in a relatively free, relatively wealthy country that's, you know, I'm not going to end up totally destitute over right, here. Right. So that's my like general advice for younger people when I talk to them. It's like just do a bunch of stuff. Do everything. Because yeah. you can always stop doing it yeah. and then go do something else. I, I appreciate the statement about the two-way door because I know one of the things I'll tell my students and just even people too is that life has an interesting way of providing doors for you. And I use the yeah. phrase of doors and so you need to make the choice of whether to walk through it. But to add on the idea that that door is also a two-way door. And I completely agree with you that you have things to where you can start and, okay, I can step back if I need to. Um, so I just really appreciate that kind of a, a little bit of an it's additional good, piece. To good that. for students to hear too because I think a lot of them get into – these paths, right, um, in terms of their academics, where they feel like they're just, I, I got to keep doing it, but I'm, I'm not interested in it, or I don't like it, or yeah. I don't want to go to this class anymore. And I think they get stuck in that feeling. And, and I think that's good, good advice for some of the listeners to, to say, hey, like these doors are two way doors, and you can back out of that, and that's yeah. okay. And you can explore something else. And like, maybe that will lead to the thing that you're passionate about, right? Or something well, and we put, about. we put so much on kids that way, right? Like, you're picking a major in college. Like right. Sometimes you're thinking about the major that you want to pick before you're even in college. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you don't know anything about how that field of study <laughs> is going to play out in the real world. Like said, so take me, I have a degree in government. I studied mostly political theory because I just found it interesting. Right. It has absolutely nothing to do with what I do. Like you'd think that a guy who works for a local government and has a government degree, like, oh, he clearly had a plan. No, I did not have a plan. <laughs> and even if I did have a plan, it wasn't relevant. It right. was like, most of what you're going to learn, you're going to learn by virtue of like living in the world and being around other people and who you choose to be around is arguably way more important than what you choose to study. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sam Altman, the, the former YC president, Y Combinator president would say like, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Ooh. And that's one where it's like, I believe that to my bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is a hundred percent true. And I pester my kids with it all the time. So I'm like, we're humans are mimetic creatures, right? Yeah. Like we just sort of do it without even thinking. So if you want to be great at something, spend time being around people who are great at that. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it's, we ask kids to take on so much in terms of planning their own futures when they have never lived in the actual world. And I think that is, I don't want to say it's getting worse, but I think it's getting more extreme. That yeah. Kids spend more and more time being scheduled and having their lives programmed by other people. Um, and they don't get out in the world and see like what that looks like. And then we're like, oh, cool, you're a freshman in college now. You're 18, so you should know how to pick a field <laughs> right, of study right. for how you want to spend like the next 30, 40 years of your life. Yeah. So going out and trying a bunch of different things and staying open and being willing to change, 
Like my brother-in-law um, was studying. He was going to be a dentist. And he did that for... Talking a f- about Derek? Uh, no, Craig. Craig, uh, okay. One, yeah. He was going to be a dentist. And then I think probably a part of him always knew he really didn't want to be a dentist, <laughs> but he was like, his dad was a dentist. Right. And, oh, I got to be like my he's, dad. He's like, this lifestyle is pretty cool, right? Sure. Like, uh-huh. And and he had the guts like halfway through college to be like, no, I'm going to set myself back. I don't know how much time it set him back, but it was like, you know, a couple of years, I think. He's like, I really want to be a firefighter. And then he went and did that. And he's a firefighter and he absolutely loves it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Like, yeah. When you're young, you feel like you're in a hurry to like get to the thing that mm-hmm. somebody thinks that you should be doing. Right. But when you're like in the middle, like I'm in the middle now, I'm like, man, you had so <laughs> much time. <laughs> you, you can, like, so much time. Right. Feel free to like, it's okay to lose a year if it puts you on a trajectory to the thing that you want when, totally. you know, for the rest of your life. Wow. Like it's no big deal. Good awesome. words. Great good words. words. Great words. Um, we got we got to talk about some Granada stuff. Yeah, okay. I mean right. we, are we are on a here. Granada yeah, podcast. Yeah, um, so we have the yearbook open to Yikes. your uh, your senior photo. Yeah, um, and that youthful uh, Mr. Cardwell is looking at the <laughs> I'm older so sunburned in this picture. <laughs> by the way. Uh, when you look at yourself there, uh, senior year, what what comes to mind uh, when you see yourself at, at that stage? Oh boy. Um, I should have worn more sunblock. That's for sure. <laughs> we just got back from a week at Lake Shasta, I think, when we did when we took that picture. Um, you know, I think a lot of one, it was a great time. Like, I, yeah, I, I have these this strange set of feelings about high school. Like, I came into Granada. Um, like, I came from Junction, and yeah. most of my my peer group really changed. Like, I I came from Junction, and I played football, and like that's how I made all my friends in high school. Um, and then I played baseball, and and so it was like this big kind of culture shift for me coming sure. from like the part of town that I grew up in was very different than the part of town that I moved to. Like that's yeah. why I went to, to Granada was we moved over into uh, the sunset East uh, neighborhood and I'd grown up by like Madison park and right. went to junction. And I was like, Oh, this, this is a very different situation. Sure. Um, so I had a lot of fun in high school. Um, I, I think I, I look at that picture and I rem- I'm reminded of like how seriously I took myself in high school. <laughs> okay. And how like stupid that feels now. Like, just, like, like I look at that guy, I'm like, man, that guy was very certain about very many things that he didn't know anything about. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm I think I'm I'm a lighter hearted guy now that I was in that picture. But uh, you know, high school is a mixed bag for everybody, I think. Yeah, like, even people sure. even people who just killed it in high school, right? Like you know, the quarterback of the football team or whatever, sure. like everybody has all their insecurities and weirdness and all that kind of stuff. And you look yeah. back and you still remember like that just incredibly dumbass thing that you said at that party that one time or right. something. And that's what right. you fixate on. I don't know. Sorry. I said a bad oh, word no, no, on, you're on good. a high school podcast. Uh, um, we'll let it go. We'll let it slide. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I look at that and I just sort of feel that mixed bag of emotions of like, it was great to feel that certain at that time. Sure. And probably like looked really dumb to a bunch of people who knew better <laughs> like I do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that, Those are good words too. Um, <laughs> any, uh, any major moment that sticks out, uh, at Granada or individuals a, that, uh, yeah, a, a favorite moment. Well, I met my wife. I mean, that was, oh, you know, that was pretty yeah. big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is good. My, uh, we've been together. Actually, this is like, we're both embarrassed by this, but we've been together since the first day of her freshman year, which was wow. the first day of my sophomore year. Like we didn't even break up, like no breaks. 
Wow, wow, solid yeah. all so the way I through. I think that's 23 years this September. 23 we'll years. Together. Well, congratulations to that, man. It's so bizarre. Like, it's one of those things that, like, I love it that that's, that that's our life. But for, you know, other people are like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, I tell my kids, I'm like, I'm not preaching this. Like, it's not yeah, my yeah. recommendation yeah. to you yeah. to, like, you know, marry your high school sweetheart necessarily. But, hey, like, it, it worked out for us. I have two sets of friends that are all high school sweethearts. David Stunkel and Christy oh, yeah. Stunkel. Yeah. And, and then David Moore and his wife, Whitney Moore. They're both, uh, you know, met in high school, kind of the same age yeah. you were. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it works. It does. Mostly it, it doesn't, but sometimes it works. <laughs> That's it's been true. great for us. So, That's true. You know. um, um, no, I mean, big moments. That I think it. There, there was definitely like the moment. I think probably one of the defining moments of my life, not even my high school life, was my decision not to quit playing football. Okay. Um, freshman year, and I did actually stop playing football after sophomore year. I was like, everybody kept growing and I kept getting beat up. I was hurt all the time, so I just played <laughs> baseball. But between eighth grade, I was like a chunky kid in middle school. Like, I lost 30 pounds between eighth grade and freshman oh, year wow. playing football. Yeah. And when you're a chunky kid, football is very hard. Sure, sure. So I almost quit, and I didn't. And, like, that defined my peer group. That's how I met my future brother-in-law, obviously my wife, right? Got like it. So I think it was one of those, like, okay, persistence is really valuable. And sometimes yeah. in ways that you don't even know. Like, got don't it. quit because things are hard. Like, if you've got through the hard part and you're quitting because it genuinely makes you unhappy, like, it's actually, I think it's actually fine to quit things that sure. are not serving you, mm -hmm. but don't do it because things are hard. Yeah, see yeah. those hard things through. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if for no other reason, because then you won't have to question yourself and you won't have to make up some BS story about why you actually quit when the real reason was that it was hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good words. Oh, wow. Outstanding. I mean, he, uh, so many little nuggets. Uh, tons of nuggets. To chew on. Yeah. I'm full of nuggets. I know. <laughs> and like I said, we can continue to go on here. Yeah. And but, maybe we will on another, maybe we'll have you sure. again on the podcast. But uh, yeah, you want to jump in? Well, one last segment, okay. which is our favorite. It's called the quick fire rounds. Oh, we have 20 questions that we're going to fire at you and, and you're supposed to answer them kind of off the cuff, see what happens. I mean, obviously you could take a second to think about something, but uh, just kind of want to see what organically comes out. Uh, from you, from these questions. So some we'll, people get fired. I'm pretty sure is this round. Right? <laughs> I'm an Apple. Nobody's employee. been fired yet. So okay, no, no, <laughs> none of these questions will get you in trouble. Okay, good. Um, so we'll we'll switch back and forth. Um, and we are starting the quick fire round now. All right. Question number one: How many keys are on your keychain right now? Seven. Wow. Just right. It was seven. a quick thought, and then seven. I know we got seven. Six of them are brand new. So that's how I knew. Oh, them. oh, okay. Is this new position keys, or is this new? Yeah, and yeah. like, and like, I think it's keys to two doors, but I have six keys. Got so it. I don't know why. But. Do you have a skeleton key to the city? <laughs> is there such a thing? No, but I'm gonna go see if I can find one. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah, okay. report back. Sounds good. Uh, number two, favorite bagel flavor? Cheesy everything. Oh, at the Wingen. At yes, Wingen. we had Amy on. Yeah, yeah. there's no other bagel uh, in the it's world. It's the bagel. It's the bagel. Yeah, he brought me one, a poppy yeah. seed with this just amazing the herb cream cheese. Oh, it was outstanding. Uh, <laughs> we got to be friends with the Wingens. Um, yeah. My wife was a surrogate for my brother. Um, okay. So she she carried my niece. And I didn't she know was, that. Wow. Yeah, she was, my wife is an unbelievable person. She's the best person in the entire world. Um, and she was pregnant at the same time that Amy was pregnant with Waylon. And so they Got were it. working at Range Life and we became friends that way. Brian was tending bar and we right. li live at Range Life whenever we're not tending to our children. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we got to know them and good people. When they opened up that place, I'm like, I'm just going to eat everything in here. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm there every Saturday. Yeah. 
and she she knows. And when I miss Saturday, she's like, "Where were you? <laughs> yeah. Are sorry. you okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> APB. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, question number three: Something new in your life right now? The job. Yeah, yeah. the job. The director job. It's the I got I got the big job, and it is a big job. <laughs> uh, number four: favorite number and why? Don't really have a favorite number. No, 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 no favorite number. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm not a favorite number. I'm not a favorite color guy. Okay, I don't. I, don't, I don't, never yeah. gravitated to a number. Or color. Playing ball, no. you never had the same number. Not Didn't really. Didn't no, care. I was 18, 27. Oh, you're no, all over the I place. I was all over the place. Yeah, my kids love to ask me to stack rank random things. They'll be like, <laughs> "What's your, you know, favorite horror movie from the 90s?" Or I'm like, "I don't. That's not how my brain works. I don't. <laughs> I'm omnivorous. I'm not, not a favorite. Oh, yeah, kind not of a favorite. Good. Okay. No. Uh, number five. How do you start your day? Do you have a morning routine? I walk the dog. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the dog is only 15 months old, so... Um, Does no. it run the dog? <laughs> yeah, my, my wife's a big runner. I'm an okay. occasional runner, um, so I try to let her go out and, and run, and I'll walk the dog in the morning. But, Got uh, it. No, coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm a coffee guy. I like to sit with coffee and, and hang for a little bit. That's where my morning kind of rumination stuff happens. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number six, what is a fear of yours? Well, heights is the sort of big one. Um, oh, me too. Yeah, but then like just once you have kids, like the main things that you're afraid of are just things happening to your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that was like from day one. Uh, I was like, oh, I was unprepared for how horrifying it was going to be to like have a child out in the world with all <laughs> right. of these people around. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> but heights. Yeah, we'll go with heights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number seven. Do you have any nicknames, or did you have any growing up? Uh. Oh, none that I want to share. Uh. <laughs> I have a confession. I gave you like nine nicknames. <laughs> we were coming up with them before you got on the show. All right, let's let's hear one of them. Uh, the card shark. Oh boy, that's yeah. no, that's never even been close. No, the, we were just going off of your name. The yeah, cardstock. The, the cards, <laughs> the cardboard box. The, no. Cardi, the, uh, Cardi was one in Cardi. high school. Got a lot of that, and then you know now people, the kids especially, will throw a Cardi B at me occasionally. <laughs> oh wow, which is I deeply hate. But oh, you yeah. made it, you made it, Cardi B. <laughs> She's cool, right? Uh, <laughs> number eight on a scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? Ten. Ooh. Every single Confidence. person we've had on here Confidence. is I, not a secret spiller. Yeah. yeah. We gotta have We're all co- lying, though. That's You're all... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll caveat it that you have to be very clear with me that it is a secret. Got like it. I'm not, I'm not good at like. Like I'm telling oh, you this in confidence. Yeah, you gotta got be it. really clear. If you're really clear, I'm a great secret keeper. Got it. If not, I'm a very, uh, as you can tell from this podcast, I like to talk. Yeah. Um, so if you don't tell me it's a secret, there's a decent chance I will tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. Got to make sure I start saying those. I like that. Confidence. Don't say anything. <laughs> uh, number nine, uh, any pet peeves? The use of the word irregardless, I would say. That's not a... <laughs> that's my mother-in-law. Oh, I never, irregardless. I never let her live it down. Oh, man. Yeah. So really whenever she says me. that, you Oh, just... yeah. Well, and then, you know, the dictionary people, because they're weak, decided right. to make it okay. They're like, oh, it can also mean this. Like, no, no, it can't. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, number 10, best or worst haircut? <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so my wife started cutting my hair during oh, okay. COVID. Yeah. yeah. And she's like got this hidden talent for cutting my hair. So basically every haircut since COVID is like my best, best haircut. haircut. Oh, yeah. all right. She's great. And she's Easy. probably saved us like $800 or something. Yeah, so. uh, haircuts are expensive <laughs> for men these days. Oh, my yeah. goodness, yeah. Livermore Barbershop, they yeah. do a great job. They do. you got to pay. And, Lo- uh, love those guys, but man, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll keep my bald head. I'll cut my <laughs> <off>. <laughs> um, 
Number 11, if you had a yacht, what would you call it? Oh, my goodness. If I had a yacht. I don't know, I'd probably go with like a Bodie McBoatface or something, right? Like it's sec- <laughs> sounds fun. That's the second one. That's all got. I got. I mean, I don't know. Mc- Who said Bodie McBoatface? Was it Curtis? I think it was I think Curtis. It was oh, Curtis. I hope it was. <laughs> no, it was. It was totally Curtis. Yeah. He said the I'm same Curtis Lilly? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Awesome. <laughs> Number 12, on a scale of 1 to 10, how cool are you? Oh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a 7. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I got a healthy dose of nerd in there. There you go. But I'm a good time. What would your kids say? Uh, my younger one would probably say like an eight. Nice. My 13 year old would be like a four. Okay. <laughs> no, I think that there's association: older children, younger children. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, there's an inverse correlation there as they Love get it. older. Yeah. Love it. Uh, all right, number 13. Uh, what is on your plate if you had one meal left to eat? Heirloom tomato toast from Range Life. Wow. Yeah. I have to have that. That's one of my favorite things I've ever put in my mouth for sure. Oh, wow. That, although the, the lamb ribs right now, they're, they're on the menu right now. You should go as soon as you possibly can. I love ribs. So it's a, I like lamb. I like they lamb. are served with this like pickled white strawberry and cilantro. It's ridiculous. Pickled white strawberry? I'm telling you. Hmm. Like, the man is a wizard. Yeah. yeah, you should go. A wizard. And I'm going to put in a plug, the crispy lamb belly that they had when mm. they first opened. I, I had will, that. I will never stop talking about that dish, and I keep trying to get Bill to bring it back. But yeah, we'll I remember that one. That yeah. was good. The Seems like anything are, lamb from Range Life. The lamb know. ribs are as close as they've come to, okay. to the lamb belly. I would highly recommend it. I'll but, have to but go. heirloom tomato toast for me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> number 14, we've made it to the would you rather phase of the questions would you rather dine alone or watch a movie alone watch a movie alone yeah mm-hmm. don't want to be distracted i just haven't been able to watch a movie alone in 14 years so. <laughs> yeah. got it i've eaten alone like on i don't know eating alone is sad for me now because the only time that i ever do it is if i'm like traveling on business and yeah. it's really just kind of depressing got it um, so yeah movie alone's okay. my wife talks through movies i'm like just stop my my younger son Oh my goodness. Like we're watching American Idol right now. Like they discovered American Idol a couple of years ago. Got and they're it. totally into it. And he just has a random like neuron firing going right in the <laughs> middle of all the singing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's adorable. Like I think it's hilarious, but also like shh. So, yeah, right. Just head to mouth. Head yeah. to mouth. Just right now. Just... <laughs> I'm going to give him a notepad. I'm like, can you jot that down and hit me in the commercials? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> number 15. Would you rather hit a red light for the rest of your life or always get slow internet access when the sun goes down? Uh, slow internet access and the sun goes down. I'm actually pretty okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That actually might be a feature. Yeah. Oh. Maybe maybe that would be put that on there yeah. just to kind of deter you down. from being on there. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not like good at disconnecting. So Got if it. somebody could take care of that for me, that might be nice. I like that. <laughs> we, we're going to invent a new feature here. Yeah. It's going to be on the next iPhone. Watch yeah. it. 16, would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long and in great health? Twice as long and as great. I don't even want to win the lottery. There you go. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't people. work out. Like, yeah, I have enough. People. I have enough data on that that yeah. I think I would decline the lottery. I'm good. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that one. I don't need that. No one's picked lottery. Mm-mm. My wife would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seventeen. Would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or a Nobel Peace Prize winner? Peace Prize. Ooh. In, in any what? Field? Yeah, in what field? Uh, well, Nobel Peace Prize in what field, or Nobel Prize yeah. in what field? Uh, Do you get other different fields for the uh, Peace Prize? Maybe I maybe we got the question wrong. I thought that you could win the Nobel Prize. Maybe it's Nobel Prize. You win the Nobel Prize. Okay. Yeah, I feel like peace is the is the is yeah. the way to go there. Okay. I feel peace. like 
like literature's cool and science is cool. Maybe maybe science, like physics or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something that lasts, something that makes a big impact. Like my sort of general philosophy is like help as many people as you can for as long as you can. Yeah. Like so. Yeah, yeah. so award that shows that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Uh number eighteen. Would you rather be four feet five inches tall or seven foot seven inches tall? As somebody who's five nine, I gotta go with seven foot seven. Oh. Right? Yeah. Cause I could play some basketball. There oh yeah. Go. Like I'll just the Warriors would sign me today. We, they need yes. a big man. Yeah. yeah. Seven I mean, seven. No rim protection. Yeah. I don't right. know. Uh, seven seven. Uh, they lost last night too. That was not good. Uh, that was not good. That was All not right. good. Uh, number 19, oh, would you rather babysit an uncontrollable crying baby for an entire day or, <laughs> <laughs> or have an unwanted house guest stay for a whole week? Oh, the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can do the baby thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Then once, check. Yeah. yeah. That house guest, though? No. Mm-hmm. One out. of us isn't getting out alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the last question, number 20, you made it. Can you tell me a secret? No, because I'm really good at keeping Oh, secrets. okay. Uh, we got him. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, he got us. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could tell you one of my secrets, but uh, I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind right okay. now. Right. No, no, you're you. You yeah. you said you're a ten. Yeah. We'll stick with it. Um, well, man, you made it through the gauntlet of twenty questions. <laughs> uh, we got to learn a lot about you and Livermore and your job and all the places that your life has taken you. So thanks for uh, sitting down with us and having a good chat. Um, for the listeners, we will not have an episode over spring break. Mr. Conover wants me to find somebody in Hawaii that is associated with Granada and try to do one. You have homework. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. If you see an episode pop up over spring break, then I was able to accomplish that task. (laughs) Um, But we will see you uh, after spring break. Uh, Everybody stay safe out there. Stay classy. And as always, Uh, grab life by the horns.